Hello and welcome to the first HKB podcast episode of 2024. Hello everybody. Yes, as you've gathered there, Leon is here with me. Very excited to start off our second year of the podcast with Shaz. Yes, and what do we have lined up for today? Well, we have three films picked out by Shaz. We have two third window titles and one title release from Indicator. We have Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, The God from Underground, and a little bit of Charles Bronson in the Valachi Papers. So it's all beyond material this episode. It is. I thought that might be nice for change. Yeah, why not start off the year doing something different? I quite agree. So first up, let's dive into Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which is a 2020 film. And let's have a little listen to the trailer. Here's Leon with the synopsis from the back of the disc. Right, so this is the third window's sleeve, and on the back, the synopsis says, A massive Japanese hit, acclaimed by one cut of the dead director, Shinichiro Ueda, as a worthy successor to his continuous one-take sensation, it's the time travel suspense comedy of the decade. Cafe Aona Kato is relaxing after a long day when an image of himself suddenly appears on his television, speaking from the future of two minutes. Soon Kato, his staff and regular customers are trapped in a time prison eager to learn about the distant future. But a time echo accelerates the paradox fiasco and a mysterious duo pays a visit as the future strikes back. So Leon, what did you think of this film from Junta Yamaguchi? I liked it. I liked the summer time machine blues and we were looking for something similar. And I've got to say, this didn't disappoint. Time travel again, crazy time travel from Japan. But it, we were both rolling about laughing. I think it really hit the sweet spot. It had a mix of comedy, head exploding, <laughs> theories on time travel, and just general madcap craziness. But it's completely compelling viewing. Once you start watching it, you can't stop. It'd be like pouring a cup of coffee and and stopping at the beginning of the cup you just wouldn't do it you have to pour the whole cup i agree it's completely bonkers completely captivating as you're on like the edge of your seat like what's going to happen next and how did that happen how did they know that was going to happen have they gone back to do that (laughs) how did they know about this (laughs) keeps you guessing throughout the whole film it does and trying to piece it together could drive a man insane or woman insane it really does mess with your head and it really does make you laugh when you see how things come together, how they piece together throughout mm. the film. And you're thinking, well, how's that going to work? And then it slowly unravels bit by bit by bit. And it's very, um, I, I don't know if there was someone in charge of the continuity, but it was bang on from every little detail I looked to see, are they going to cover that bit? Is that bit going to be shown on one of the screens? And it was. I know, but what I liked about it was 
it kind of subverted your expectation with certain things. It didn't always, when it came together, it wasn't what you fully expected. No. And how they got there, or the result of getting there, you can't tell anybody that because you're going to ruin the film. Absolutely. But this time travel paradox is absolutely hilarious and it's so thoroughly entertaining. It just shows, again, that the guys at Third Window Films, they really know what they pick out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can go wrong with their titles. And as far as time travel films go, this has now made it onto my list of favourites. And we yeah. are huge fans of time travel films. And I think the director, Junta Yamaguchi, I think he's created something really fun, something that's really going to stick in your head yeah. and stay with you. You're not going to forget this film once you've seen it, that's for sure. No. Let's have a few words about the director, Junta Yamaguchi. Well, when we found out that this was his first film, what a surprise. Absolutely. Another of these new directors, up-and-coming directors, that just blow us away with their, with their first film. Yep, young and talented, mm. and there's not an awful lot of stuff on his resume at the minute. Looks like he's done some TV work. Which is always good mm. grounding, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, good school, doing some TV. You get to experiment, play around, work with lots of different people, mm. and gather a lot of experience. And Third Window have just released his second feature, which is River, which we're looking forward to. Yeah. We have that one, and we will be watching it. Is that another possible um, podcast episode, Chaz? More than likely. <laughs> I think, is that another time travel one? It is. Yeah. So, Ideal. Yeah. Keep your eyes open for that one, guys. The disc from Third Window is um, pretty good. It is. Some great extras on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've not watched them yet, but we're looking forward to diving into those, aren't we? Yeah, we had a, a brief look, didn't we? And we mm. could see that they filmed some stuff in an unusual method. We're not going to tell you how. Because mm. one of the things that Chaz and I feel is that the extras are like a nice surprise when you get the package. So why would we ruin that? You know, we purposely don't watch any of the extras all the way through until after we've done our review. Because we don't want to ruin them. We don't want to slip up and give away something that's going to be a treat when you get the disc yourself. That's your discovery to make for you. But third window extras are always fantastic. You have a, a short film on this one called Howling. You have a making of and an interview with director Junta Yamaguchi himself. So rest assured, you're going to get your money's worth with this title. So who sort of stuck out to you in this film? The lead in it, Kazunori Tozer. Mm-hmm. He plays Kato. Yeah. I thought his reaction to the circumstances really helped make the film. Mm, yeah. He convinced me that he was 
confused, bewildered, everything that he was trying to portray, I bought into. Yeah. And he, he gave me a lot of the amusement, but he also, he felt a bit of empathy for his character too. Mm -hmm. So I think he did a really good portrayal of his character Kato and I really, I connected with his character I guess more than any of the others because it felt like it was mainly happening to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it started with him and mm -hmm. he's the one that discovers the sort of time paradox and he's got a great face, you know. His, mm. his face is fantastic and everything he's kind of thinking, you can see it on his face. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Shaz? Well, I thought everyone was pretty good in this, to be honest. I did quite like um, Rico Fujitani, who plays Aya, who works in the, the coffee shop as well. Um, I thought she added a bit of, I don't know, bubble bubbliness to it. <laughs> yeah, she was quite cute. Yeah, yeah. And sassy. Is that, yeah. is that the right word? Yeah. And her enthusiasm for what was happening was kind yes. of infectious, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought she was great. And there is like minor subplots in this film as well, because Kato has a bit of a thing for the lady from the shop next door, Megumi, uh, who was played by Aki Asakura. And I thought she was very good. The way she gets tangled up in the story is mm. is quite entertaining and the interplay between her character and Kato, it was essential to the film for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But we also have some other actors who, if you've seen our review of Summer Time Machine Blues, you might recognise their faces. There is Chikara Honda, who plays Ishizuka in this. I'm not going to say what that role is, actually. I no, don't, I don't want to. Best not. Yeah, so we're going to keep that on the wraps. But he's very good, very good with the comedy. And we have Gota Ishida, who plays Komiya. And he's mm. really, really funny in this. He's hilarious, yeah. You know, the, the sort of goofiness that he puts on and his exuberance. Yeah, yeah. It, it just tickled me. It really made me laugh. I, I know he's in, um, I think he's in River 2, isn't he? So we yeah, we'll look forward to seeing like him it. in that. Yeah. And um, it's no surprise that these actors keep turning up in these similar themed films because mm -hmm. if it works and it works with them, then that's pretty bankable, you know, it's a safe bet. And I would say, yeah, let's, let's use these guys. They know what they're doing. They know the material, they know the themes and they can carry it off and how right they are. So, Leon, would you recommend Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes? Without hesitation, definitely. If you like time machine films, if you like Japanese cinema, if you like crazy Asian films, then this is a safe bet. I think you'll all thoroughly enjoy this one, just as Shaz and I did. I completely agree. I couldn't recommend this enough. It really gave me a great 70 minutes. <laughs> found it hilarious, loved the characters, and yep. I'd be surprised if somebody turns this one off after a couple of minutes. Yeah. Because those two minutes are infinite. <laughs> <laughs>
we have 1992 film The Guard from Underground. Before we get into it, let's have a listen to the trailer. Here's Leon with the synopsis from the back of the third window film's release. Before becoming one of Japan's most well-known horror directors through films like Cure, Pulse and Creepy, Kiyoshi Kurosawa made his name in horror with 1992's The God From Underground, the final film of the director's company. Kiyoshi Kurosawa here fashions a dark tale that is both a sharp satire of corporate life and a B-movie thriller that pays homage to the slasher movies of the 1980s. A former sumo wrestler now working as a security guard goes on a murderous rampage in the company that's employed him as people are picked off one by one in various gruesome ways. Thank you. Right, so Leon, what did you think of this? I enjoyed this a lot. Mm-hmm. When we watched Door, it immediately made me want to check out some more of the director's company films. Oh yes, yeah. And this one, the title intrigued me and the image on the release also captivated me. So we elected to purchase it from Terracotta Store. Thank you guys for having a great selection for us to pick from. And um, yeah, it's what I wanted. It's got those slasher elements as the write-up on the back of the sleeve says but it's also got a unique Japanese feel to that slasher sort of horror. And uh, yeah, I was very satisfied with this. How about yourself, Shaz? When it started, I wasn't sure. I know I like to go into films blind and be surprised by what unfolds, but I think it might have been helpful if maybe I'd have known where it was going or at least roughly what it was about. That being said though, it it didn't take me too long to figure out where it was going and what, what was happening. Um, and I really did enjoy it once once it got there to where it needed to be. And yeah, the slashing etc started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the atmosphere in this film was quite heavy. Uh, I think you needed it. I'd say that it's not without flaws for myself either. Okay. You know, there's certain elements that are questionable. Right. Like the job that they're all doing in the building. Oh, yes, yes. They're all buying sort of artwork and, you know, for like billions of yen or whatever. And yeah. supposed to be selling them on. And that there was a whole section in this huge building devoted to doing that. It was like, this is a really strange setup. I don't. I don't understand, you know, obviously, mm. like it says, it's a play on corporate life, but yeah, there could have been a million and one different businesses that would have made more sense as a choice for me. But maybe there's something with all the there's artwork in the offices and the background and stuff. So who knows? Who like knows a trigger. I, I think there were some suspect looking pieces of art. Maybe they're real art. I don't know. but <laughs> Yeah. So that, that initially, you know... I think that's why I was st 
struggling at the beginning to see what was happening because of this sort of strange setup with the workplace and the job they were doing. Yeah, and all the different characters. Yeah. And that you've got offices with such a strong security unit. Yeah. A whole team. It felt like um, prison guards more than yeah. security. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's the outfit or just the setup. And also the title God from Underground was the security base in the underground or did it mean he's from a, a shady background, like a crime mm. underground background? I don't know. But the film starts off with the lead actress, Makiko Kuno, who plays Akiko in the film, and mm. a taxi driver. And she hears about some murders by a former sumo wrestler. And that's the catalyst for telling the story that point onwards mm -hmm. and again that's another one of my flaws because when you see the the killer which you do see pretty soon you, we thought there's going to be a bit of mystery on his face but no they got that pretty quick yeah i thought his face was going to be hidden throughout the whole film just yeah. to add that sort of mystery aspect he did look very imposing didn't he the actor yutaka matsushich if that's the right pronunciation Apologies if not. Plays Fujimaru and mm. he's very imposing. He's quite a tall guy and he, the way they filmed it, it probably made him look even taller. He's about yeah. 1.88 meters. And um, yeah, it was intimidating, but you know who he reminded me of, Shaz? Who? M. Bison from Street Fighter 2 video game. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, the tallness with that cap on. Mm. Who knows if there's anything in that, but I really got strong bison vibes wow and i think uh <laughs> i think he'd have made a good bison if they'd uh, done a street fighter film over in japan that wasn't animated and possibly better than the van damme vehicle which um sucked oh dear <laughs> <laughs> sorry to say it guys but the van damme film sucked much better was the future cops by wong jing i enjoyed that a lot more <laughs> but um, if there's any fans of the Van Damme Street Fighter out there, Street Fighter out there, sorry, apologies, but that's just my take on it. But this guy, he looked very imposing, and that's how mm. I would have expected the Bison to be. But getting away from that, what did you think of his portrayal of this serial killer? Um, did you get any sense of a motivation for him? Um, no, I don't know. Unless I missed something, I don't get how it started did you i think she was the start for him within his workplace he'd obviously already committed murders which we heard about from the taxi driver but then he seemed to develop an obsession with this new employee akiko pretty quick ah uh, yes yes hence a certain object he may have taken from her yes which he used himself and they didn't go too deep into that, so it, no. could, it could easily be missed, blink and you miss it. But I don't think that was the, the focus. The focus was on him just being completely nuts. Yeah. Um, how bent on reaching Yeah, once he started, he couldn't stop. He was, you know... Yeah, it was almost like that's what he enjoyed, was, was the killing, which is... Whoa, it's pretty cold. And you stand up! Good 
As for the other characters in those shards, was there any of the other cast members that stood out to you that you thought, oh, I like this character, or I like this person? I did like um, Taro Suwa, who played Yoshioka. He was trying to help save the day. Yes, he played a good role in this. I didn't really take too much notice of him myself, but the actor Hatsunori Hasegawa, who played Hyodo, mm. I kind of liked him. He seemed a little bit shady himself, like he was trying yeah. to do some art deals outside of the company. Yeah. And he was like, actually, you're HR guy, and you're like, I'm going to trust the HR yeah, guy. Yeah, that, that didn't make sense too much, did it? It, it didn't, no. Um, complex with the characters. But he did He did seem very sort of senior, superior, knows, knew how to react in a situation. He did. And uh, yeah, there's some interesting choices in that. I think for myself, I can feel that this is like um, first time directing, which I think it was for Kiyoshi Kurosawa. I think it was, he was brought in as an assistant director and then, you know, to the director's company. And then they said, oh, I've got directing. And he went with this and you can see even from this film that, you know, good things are going to come. Oh yeah, definitely. There were, there were ideas in there, weren't there? And I think it was quite a low budget film, wasn't it? It so was. Probably made it a bit more tricky trying to do things as cheaply as possible. But you know what? With it being as rough around the edges as it obviously is, mm. I really like that. Yeah, I guess it, it adds a sort of charm to it, doesn't it? That a more polished film, you wouldn't get that sort of rough and ready feel. I hate completely polished films. Mm. I hate them with a passion. Oh dear. <laughs> Don't give me your Hollywood we smoothed out every corner and edge and look at it, bin it. I want something <laughs> rough around the edges, something interesting, something that I can notice things mm. on. It's more fun. This is a great fun film. Get your I, teeth into. Yeah, you can sink your teeth into it. And it's nice to be able to criticise little points here and there, you know? It doesn't mean I dislike the film. It means it's more interesting to me. For me, maybe I'm a bit weird. We know maybe. I'm, we know I'm a bit weird. <laughs> But um, I like my weird cinema too. I like my cult cinema. And this for me is going to be one that I watch again, definitely. Absolutely. I, I um, Even though like what I said about not being too sure at the beginning, mm. I'm glad I stuck with it and saw where it went because I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. And I thought the kills were quite inventive too. Yes. Um, nothing too flash with the camera work, but there was some nicely lit scenes. Yeah. Again, gave it that sort of dark, sort of claustrophobic feeling. Yeah. And I like that. I like that when they put you in that situation, you really feel it a little bit more. I think, I think that's all I've got to say on this one, on the film itself. What about mm -hmm. you, Shaz? Any more words? No, I think we've pretty much covered how we felt and what we thought about it. Excellent. So for me, this one is a recommendation. It's a recommendation towards people that like the more cult, rough around the edges films. Yeah. You know, if you like your horror movies, particularly of the slasher variety, then perhaps you might enjoy this one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you say, rough around the edges. Um, if that's your cup of tea, then I think this would be good. It is a bit bloody, a bit slashy. So, yeah. Enjoy.
And as for the release itself, we just take a little look at the slipcase here. There is a Kiyoshi Kurosawa Q&A, which, okay, I'll admit it this time, this one we had already watched it. We were so wrapped up in the film. We yeah, really... we wanted to see what he had to say, didn't we? Yeah, but we're not going to ruin it for you. We won't tell you. It's very interesting and it... it's a decent length, isn't it? It's about half an hour. Yeah. And then there's a producer Takashi Ikoma interview, which again, I think half an hour, a bit over. Mm. And there uh, is a commentary from Tom Mez. And if you've ever listened to a Tom Mez commentary, super informative, gives you everything you want to know. Yeah. So it's a high recommendation. And of course, a trailer. Nothing bugs me more than when there isn't a trailer on a film. I mm. want the trailer every time. Yeah. Half the time, I use them for YouTube videos. So if they're not on there, it means I've got to go and find some crummy quality shit out trailer. So thank you, Third Window, for giving us everything we want with this title. And yeah, that's all I've got to say on that one, Shaz. Okay, thanks for that, Leon. to our final film we're looking at today, 1972, The Valachi Papers. This one's directed by Terence Young, and it stars one of Shaz and mine very favourite actors. We've covered him a few times already, or a few yeah. of his films. Yeah. Who is it, Shaz? Charles Bronson. You son of a bitch. I'm sorry, everybody keeps telling me how crap I am. My own I like it, I think it makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Just me, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. I think this film was Italian. I think so. It was, um, we could choose to have it in Italian or English, couldn't we? We on, could. On this release by Indicator. Yeah. And what a joyous release that was. But before we get into the film, here's a little bit of the trailer. Listen carefully. A hundred thousand dollars for Jovalachi. I'll kill this skinny bastard, so help me God. A brief synopsis of the Valachi papers is as follows from IMDB. Gangster Joe Valachi is a marked man in the same prison where mob boss Don Vito Genovese is imprisoned and he's forced to cooperate with the district attorney in exchange for protection. Thank you, Shaz. Now this was a slightly different Charles Bronson role, I feel. And I think um, it's because it's based on true life events. So we get a different type of performance. Okay, he's still pretty tough in it. He is. And he's a bit of a shady character. we sort of got vibes and overtones of movies like The Godfather and this. And it talks about the Cosa Nostra Mm. And this is based on real-life events. Yes, which we didn't realise when we watched the film. We didn't. Uh, interesting fact there is um, there is a book too, which is the Valachi Papers, which covers everything which is in the film. Probably right. in more detail, I don't know. But um, your initial impressions before we go any further, Shaz? I really enjoyed it. 
I found it very gripping um, and it was just such an interesting story. What about you? I really enjoyed it. It was a bit more of a slower pace than I'm used to with my Charles Bronson films. Right, yeah. So when it started off, I had my reservations. I wasn't 100% sold right at the beginning. It took me a little while to warm up to it. Yeah, actually, didn't it sort of take a while for us to really realise what was happening? It did. It was a bit here and there. Was there flashbacks? Yeah, it was all told retrospectively, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? So I think, yeah, we weren't too sure at the beginning. Yeah. But that being said, once you got with the formula and, yes. you know, you got to grips with how they were telling the story, mm-hmm. then I found it really, really interesting. I really got to like several of the characters in there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, it just was, again, you wanted to see what was going to happen to Joseph you know, he was in such a predicament. Yeah. And his life was getting more and more complex as he was getting more and more tied into this family. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, he seemed to enjoy it. He seemed to like his lifestyle. Yeah. But as always, you know, with a life of crime, I guess at some point there's going to be a price to pay. Yes. And there's some ugly scenes in the film. Now, I don't want to ruin those for people. You know, I know this is... People say, oh, it's a 1972 film. But there might be people listening to this podcast who want to see a 1972 film that they haven't seen and don't want it ruining for them. So we're yeah. not going to be the idiots that do that. I'll say this is a very good crime drama and I feel like the performance from Charles Bronson in this is really good. You know, dubbing aside, I mean, he dubs himself, so you do get Charles Bronson's voice. Yes. I think it comes across really good there was particularly one scene in it where something happens to a friend of his yeah and i was i was quite moved i was uh, wow i thought that's strong you know yeah i think i know the scene you mean and yes mm. his reaction to what was going on was yeah. just fantastic wasn't it yeah complete mixture of emotions yeah and he delivers them all once you can mm-hmm. name them take them off the tick list yeah Bender, you missed one. Right, so what about some of the other cast for you, Shaz? I really liked Lino Ventura, who played Vito Genovese. He was a convincing mob guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. I sort of felt an element of danger from him at most points. Mm, An authority. Yeah. He seemed very, very hard, like, Mm. you know. Somebody that you really wouldn't want to mess with. No. No. <laughs> what about you? The guy that was in charge before him, I think um, Salvatore was his name, the character's name, played by Joseph Wiseman. He seemed a bit more like a gentleman. Yeah. A bit more trustworthy, a bit more like somebody with a clear head that you'd want in charge. Yeah. And I felt like everybody was respectful towards him. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't say what happens, but something does happen why he's not in charge later in the film. And uh, yeah, he wasn't in it for as long as I liked, but when, what he did do in it, he was 
very very good I mean the actor you may have seen him before I believe he played Dr. Nell in one of the oh, Bond movies right. in fact he played Dr. Nell in Dr. Nell and he was also in one of my favorite 80s sci-fi shows Buck Rogers in the 25th century wow. and you know keeping up the old martial arts uh, side of things he was also in Jaguar Lives with Joe Lewis and Christopher Lee so you know he's been in quite a bit so that's why if you see him in this film you might recognize his face he's been about and I think he's a very good character actor yeah and we also had Charles Bronson's wife in this Jill Ireland playing Maria Riena and um, yeah she was very good in this wasn't she yeah, it seems like Joe Ireland, you know, automatically got a job role when, you know, Charles was doing a film. Obviously, you want to get your wife some work. I like seeing her in his films because mm. I feel a connection between the two of them. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I'm still not convinced to this day that she's the best actress. And I think there would have been better choices in the majority of his films from, you know, the available actresses at the time. Right. Um, for me, her best performance was in Hard Times. I bought into right. her role in that film with Charles Bronson more than any other. Okay. In this one, I thought her role was kind of limited, but she was good at what she did. Yeah, yeah. There I mean, was, there uh, wasn't too much for her character to do, really, was there no. in this? It was a sort of small part. It was, but the way they set the relationship up, mm. there was a little bit between them. Very small, nothing, throwaway scene, which was kind of making us laugh. Yes, I know the scene you mean. Yeah. yeah, Charles Bronson eating when he shouldn't be because he's crunching too loud and yeah. they're both having a little laugh and look at each other. That was a nice little light-hearted scene, wasn't it? That actually yeah. you probably needed because this film is it's quite, quite, dark. quite heavy. Yeah, yeah, dark and heavy. So that came in at just the right moment. Yeah. So kudos to the director there. Really enjoyed that. And um, there are plenty of good actors in this, but I just wanted to mention the other actress that really stood out to me which is um, Maria Baxter. Now, she's a bit of a deadly woman in this, really, isn't she? She is. There's a hit caused because of her. Mm. When she we played the, Donna. Yeah, when we had the uh, introduction to her character, because it's Vitel that has his eye on her. And, uh, yeah, this is um, the start of things going wrong, I think, for certain characters mm. within the movie. But... Um, my goodness, what a, a sexy lady, you know? Um, yeah. She really brings a bit of glamour and sleaze to this film, which <laughs> yeah. is much needed to liven up proceedings and a little bit. to balance it out a bit, so you've yeah. got a bit of everything in, in this film, really, haven't you? It is, yeah. So, I, you know, I immediately looked her up and, you know, had a look at some of the films that she's done. I'm like, I'm going to have to see a little bit more with her because she's an interesting actress and... I want to, you know, see some of the other roles that she's had. Anybody else left for you on the list that you just felt like you, you couldn't, you know, you only get this one chance? Anybody else that you just wanted to throw their name up? I quite liked the federal federal investigator in this. I think he was played by Anthony Dawson. Okay. And I, I liked the sort of hard sort of character he was to Charles Bronson trying to get the story out of this. And I really liked when it came back to the present day and they were talking about what Joe Valachi was saying 
you know, I just like the interplay between them. And I think they did sort of build up a bit of a rapport and a bit of a relationship because it, I mean, I don't think it was actually that long. Maybe he was being interviewed over a year, hmm. but it felt like it felt longer in in those moments when it showed hmm. them together. Yeah, they did take some care and consideration on the moments between the two of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, actually, I didn't think about it, but yeah, he played a really good part. And to play somebody that's kind of strong-handing, um, Charles Bronson, I guess it's not easy to buy into, but he, he made it very believable, you know? He was yeah. a, a good sort of... Bad cop, good cop, all in one. <laughs> yeah, he, he was the man for the job, and yeah. he did it really well. He made it believable that it was him, and he could get those results. So, yeah, kudos to that actor. Così morirò. This is the way I will die. If I betray the secret of the Cosa Nostra. Only here, in New York, will be different. Because we are so many, we'll be five families. Shall we have a look at the indicator release? Very nice one, this one. We got the um, limited edition too very nice looks like there's loads of additional features on here isn't there indicator are no slouches when it comes to finding extra features yeah there's loads of things in the makeup room um featurette there reviewing the evidence on set footage Valachi hearings some trailers tv spots and an image gallery i think you had a quick look at that didn't you and there, there's quite a lot of images there to go through oh yeah which is fantastic yeah, great release. It's a stacked disc. And I think there's a nice booklet inside as well. Lovely picture of Charles Bronson and Joe Island on the front. Yeah, that's really nice. Some nice pictures in there. Interesting information. So I don't think there's any more copies of the limited edition available now, but you could probably pick them up through CEX or eBay. And if you just wanted the film itself, they've probably got a standard edition on the website, I'd imagine. So look it up. This is a great release from Indicator and a very entertaining Charles Bronson film with and a bit more... Yeah, a bit of history to it. Yeah, yeah, a bit more meat to it than some of the others. Mm. Right, so there's a new feature to the podcast that Leon's been wanting to trial for some time, so I shall hand you over to him. Thank you, Shaz. As you know, whilst I work, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of my favourite ones is the video archives with Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, who I believe we've quoted on the channel before. So at the end of their episodes, they pick out awards. Awards for the films like Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and so on. So we're going to do the same here, but we're doing it in a slightly different method. We're not going quite as in-depth as what Quentin would, because, hey, it's Quentin Tarantino, and who's going to match him? Nobody. But we're going to do it in our own special way, and we pick anonymously, rather than talk it out like Quentin and Roger do. And um, Roger's daughter as well. Um, I can't remember her name but she's, she's part of it. But we're gonna do it. Shaz and I are gonna pick anonymously. I will go first and mm -hmm. deliver mine. 
and then Shaz will follow suit with hers. So, out of the three films today, Shaz, my best actor is Kazunari Tolza, who plays Kato in Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Because although at first sight, people might think, oh, that's a simple role, he doesn't really have to do much, I feel like he did everything perfectly. You know, I could, he projected humor when it needed projecting, confusion when it needed projecting, and it was effortless. I think it was so good that people don't will, will not realize how good a job he's doing. Yeah. Because to be on point in a role like that, I might be completely wrong. But for me, he made a really low budget film about time travel completely enthralling and amazing it rested on his shoulders and he sold it to me and i really really enjoyed his performance so he's my best actor for this episode excellent and, and yours well this might not come as much as a surprise to you but it has to be charles bronson from the valachi papers just what? because he's just a class act I'm glad. I'm glad you picked Charles Bronson because I thought you might, and if you hadn't, I'd have regretted not picking Charles Bronson. But <laughs> I had it safely in my mind that you would, so I felt safe to give the <laughs> award elsewhere. You know, to spread the love a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. Charles was absolutely fantastic in that. Over all those different time periods, and I actually quite enjoyed all the different looks he was given in the film as well. Yeah, it was it was good. Mm, yeah. Mm. Varying degrees of grey in his hair. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who is your best actress award going to? Okay. My best actress is going to Makiko Kunao, who plays Akiko in The God from Underground. Now, I know we probably didn't mention too much about her a little bit early on, but I'm gonna save it to mention now. I really liked her performance in this. As the new employee, you know, we have a confusion at the beginning, we see her frightened, and we see her go through a transformation within the film to mm. where she suddenly gains a bit more confidence and you know she comes across as a professional female, really good as well, good mm. at what she does. I just liked her and she had such a look to her as well, you know. I thought her look was very striking. And the way she interacted with all the other actors in the film, I thought she gave them all something to spring off. You know, I just really enjoyed her performance and would be super happy to see more films with Makiko Kunal and because I, I was just blown away by performance. You, Shaz? Wow. I went for the same actress. <laughs> <laughs> Your reasoning? Makiko, uh, Makiko Kuno, just because I enjoyed her performance so much in The Guard from Underground. Excellent. Yeah, just a great role. And I just felt she portrayed everything spot on. Excellent. Well, there we go. Two votes for Kiko. Right. And now for my best supporting actor. Ready for it? Drum roll. It's Lino... Ventura from the Valachi Papers, who played Vito Genovese. I really liked him. I found him mm. intimidating. I found him 
convincing as a member of the Colsa Nostra. And uh, yeah, he, he made the dangerous element to the film, you know, very, very convincing. Mm. I think without him in the Valachi papers, I think it would be a lot flatter. I think yeah. his performance adds greatly and gives it that slightly Godfather vibe that it has. This might have been dismissed by critics, um, you know, back in the day. But yeah. I really feel like a lot of people missed the boat with this one. I feel it's a great film, and not just because of Charles Bronson. I think Lino Ventura also adds just as much to this film. Your best supporting actor. Okay, well, mine is Hatsunori Hazagawa from The Guard from Underground. He played Hiodo. And I guess for me it was because he his character surprised me because I wasn't expecting him to step up in the way he did. And yeah, I just enjoyed that performance from him. Excellent. Right, so we move on then to Best Supporting Actress. So my Best Supporting Actress is Reiko Fujitani, who played Aya in Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. She was the girl that worked in the coffee shop that was full of life and bubbles and her performance in this was so infectious that she really injected a lot of fun into the film and made me happy watching her on screen. And just the way she made me feel whilst watching her, I was delighted. So she gets my best supporting actress. Well, I went for the same actress again. Really? <laughs> yeah. Reiko Fujitani for playing Aya. For basically the same reasons as you. Well, there we go. And she we've lifted done... that film for me. Not that it needed yeah. much more lifting because I loved it anyway. But yeah. yeah, I just loved her bubbly character. Yeah, she was fantastic, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And my best director, now this might throw you, but it's Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Right. I just thought, even though the film was a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. I thought, what a tremendous first film, you know? Or a tremendous last entry from the director's company. I think he, he might have had lots of mixed elements in there, but the performances he got, obviously, were very, very good, you know? Mm-hmm. It's won quite a few of our categories with the uh, actors and actresses there between yeah, us. Yeah. And um, I think without him at the helm, that possibly wouldn't have happened. So kudos to Kiyoshi Kurosawa, I think, a worthy winner for me. And your best director, Shaz? Is Junta Yamaguchi from Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Because I just thought it was just so impressive the way the film was put together. <laughs> And to keep track of it when you're the director, <laughs> you know, yeah. must have been quite a difficult job. So well done him. Yeah, well done he him. gets my vote. <laughs> Excellent. And for our last category, because we always talk about cinematography when we watch films, me and Shaz, we always like discussing shots. Uh, we're going to tell you which one we found the best, which film had the best cinematography. For me, it's God from the Underground, even though a lot of it is dark they create a sense of claustrophobia which really intensified what was happening on the screen for me. Mm. And um, some people might say it looks dull or anything, but I think it looks interesting. There's lots of different things in the background, pictures on walls, 
all sorts going on, you know, and it adds to the menace of the film. So my cinematography winner is called From the Underground. How about you, Shaz? Mine is from Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which is Junta Yamaguchi again. Yeah. <laughs> just because I just really liked how all the, the few scenes, obviously it's not set in lots of different places, but I just liked how it was covered and the choice of shot that was shown at each moment. Again, I think that must have required a fair bit of planning and work. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It was probably the trickiest job that they all had. So yeah, that's my added segment. I hope you guys didn't mind that. And um, I'm sure Shaz would be grateful so, for some feedback yeah, on that. Yeah, let us know if, if you found that interesting, our thoughts picking out our favourites. Right, so that's all for today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any comments, feel free to comment. And we look forward to the next episode soon.